Hi, my name is Rachel Carew. I'm 48 years old, grey-haired, curved model, and I'm going to be your host for Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling, and over on social media, I found so many amazing, aspiring women over 40 who are really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical middle-aged barriers. So I thought it would be fun to share them with you. So I am very excited for my first ever guest on Out of the Bubble podcast. Um, today we have the pleasure of Jo Mosley, who some might know as Healthy Happy 50 on social media. I've known Jo probably about 12 years yeah. um, since our kids were at primary school together. And then we had, I think it's fair to say, we both probably had similar life, <laughs> lifestyle changes, um, also known as divorce. And I've been quietly watching and admiring the work that Jo's been doing and, and her journey really and how you've grown and changed over the years um, to now full on admiration. I think how you have transformed your life and some of the achievements that you've done so far when I think you've only just got started mm. is amazing and really motivating. So I'm very excited to talk to you today. So thank you very oh, much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. How do you describe yourself to people when they ask what you do and what you're about? Um, Gosh, good question. Um, I still describe myself as a mum, that's first and foremost, and I think being a single mum, that will always be my biggest thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then I say that I um, have a very normal day job, and I'm developing an interest in adventure, and little adventures, and environmental aspects, and all the things about wellness and well-being around being outside and doing fun little adventures. You say little adventures, <laughs> but some of the things that you've done to date, um, I wouldn't class as little. Um, yeah, can you tell everybody a little bit about how you got started and okay. what your first challenge was with, okay. the, with the rowing? Um, which... Yeah, so the first challenge was probably the biggest. Um, in 2013, my mum died. Uh, five days, uh, five days, no, four days before Christmas. So just before Christmas, she died of lymphoma. And I decided to do something in her memory. And the only real sport I did at the time was indoor rowing. So I rowed a million metres in a marathon, which is quite a lot, actually, yes. thinking about it. Which basically translates as 10,000 metres every other night for eight months. Wow. Um, I rowed a half marathon in the, in the, city, in the town centre on a bandstand. And then I rowed the marathon just before my 50th birthday on the first anniversary of her death. And we raised just over £10,000, including gift aid. That's amazing. Yeah, but something so boring. And in fact, somebody said to me, I'm going to pay you just because it's so incredibly boring. Mm. I would never want to do that. Um, and you just kept doing it. And, and it was really a great way to honour her memory, mm. but it was also great for me. Um, it really helped me work through the grief and sort of take the grief of her loss and turn it into something positive. Yeah. Um, and then having done that, I sort of started a bit of wild swimming and paddleboarding and running and picking up litter and surfing. And so I just do lots of little things. But yeah, I started with something indoors, very big. And now I do lots of little outdoor things. So Brilliant. How did you decide and motivate yourself that this is what you're going to do in the first place? I mean, when you say you started doing a bit of rowing, indoor mm. rowing initially. Yeah. What was the thing that you, did you wake up one morning and think this is how I'm going to tackle this? I'm going to hate it. Um, a few months before, I had been um, 
crying in the supermarket. I think I'm the person that people remember as the woman that cried in the supermarket. Um, but I'm sure we've all been there. Yeah. So I woke. I went to the supermarket with my sons, and I just had that moment where I just put the bags down and I said, I can't cope. I just can't cope anymore. So I hadn't been sleeping. I was really stressed. Mum and Dad were both going through chemo. Um, I was looking after boys on my own, I was working and it was just one of those tiny little things that just tipped me over the edge. So I spoke to a friend and said, this is what had happened and she was giving away an indoor rowing machine, a mutual friend right. of ours, and she said, would you like to use it? Um, I think she literally wanted to get it out of her <laughs> garage. <laughs> time, yeah, let's get it out. And um, I often say to her, Kath, you've been in the paper again. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about you. Um, and after a couple of weeks of using this pretty rubbishy old rowing machine, I was sleeping. So I thought, wow, I'm just going to carry on. And then when, so I just carried on doing bits and bobs, like literally not much. And then when mum died, I found myself going back to the gym and realizing that this was helping me sleep, it was helping me feel better. So when I wanted to do something big to honor her memory, that just seemed the most obvious thing to do and to continue with the rowing. So it started by crying. Um, I don't cry in supermarkets anymore, which is just so great. <laughs> the question is, have you seen the lady since in the Tesco supermarket to say that you're okay now? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there's a lot of supermarkets I should go back to. to say. I was working at, I think there's only Sainsbury's that I haven't cried in uh, over my time. Um, no, but I do, you know, people do um, remember me as the one that cries. But that's good because I think it's, you know, it's very honest. Um, a lot of women have said to me, gosh, that makes me feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've all had yeah, our moments in the shop. Or yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And you know, sometimes I see people, and I just want to go and give them a hug and say, "I know how you feel. It'll be okay." Um, so yeah, started. It started being sort of rock bottom, really, and it's just been a gradual process of working myself up out of rock bottom. How did you motivate yourself when it was physically doing that every other day? for that length of time is a challenge in itself. How did you motivate yourself on days that were really hard? I never had to motivate myself. It sounds bizarre. If you asked me to do it now, it would be like, what? But I never did. I was just so determined to raise the money for mum mm. uh, or mum's memory. I never really thought about it. I just did it. And I, gosh, I wish I could have that same approach to lots <laughs> of my life. Um, I never really did. I just, it became a habit. The, uh, the thing is, I made myself incredibly accountable on social media. Yeah, yes. You know, I yeah. put out that I wanted to raise, um, so a marathon is 42,195 metres. So I put out that I wanted to raise £4,219.50. And I put it on Twitter um, and said, this is what I want to do. And every time I did the 10,000, there's a little screen on an indoor rowing machine. I would take a photograph. And I would put it out there, mm. a really boring picture. And the members of the indoor rowing community and the rowing community were just so kind. And they would look at, it shows you how fast you've gone and how it strokes per minute and everything. And they would look at it and they'd go, God, you're just doing this so wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like you're running with your, you know, your legs tied <laughs> together. And so they would give me help. And so I became accountable to them yeah. and I became accountable to their kindness and their encouragement. And so I never had to motivate myself. I just kept doing it. And my boys knew I wanted to do it. Um, and it just became a thing that I had to do. Mm. Uh, when I finished, yeah, I was pretty exhausted, but I never did it to, to get fit. I never did it to the, all I did it for was to 
honour mum um, and find a way to get through my grief, really. Mm. Um, so it wasn't really motivation. It was being accountable and just being incredibly determined from the inside to do something for her, really. Yeah. So most people might do a challenge and yeah. think, OK, I've done it, that's fantastic, yeah. and then go and have a cup of tea and put their feet up. Yeah. Uh, you didn't do that, did you? No. <laughs> no, I just, I think I realised how much better I felt. So I was 48. Um, and I think some of the crying wasn't just life overwhelming me. It was the the early stages of the menopause, but mm. I didn't realise because I'd never asked my mum about the menopause. No, I didn't. You know, I never. Yeah. I had, it just wasn't talked about. No, it was the change. Yeah. And, and we just didn't talk about it. And so I think it was, it, the, the symptoms were creeping up on me without me knowing. And so I realised, I did some research and realised that actually lots of these symptoms like bursting into tears, like not sleeping, um, things aching, sort of feeling a little more anxious than I normally am, and I'm quite a worrier anyway. These were actually symptoms of the menopause. I wasn't going a bit crazy and it wasn't particular to me. And so I think what I realised was that exercise had really helped mm. and that it would be silly of me not to continue because I need, these were like these sort of self-care routines that were helping me get through the day. And then they became more than just things to get me through the day, they became more enjoyable. Yeah. So once I was swimming and, and then when I was running and paddleboarding, there were things that were just so much fun. It was like, wow, why wouldn't I want to try and keep these on a daily basis? So I did all these things and then I injured my knee, which meant I couldn't do some things. So I set myself a new challenge. I'm quite a challenging person. Yeah, but, I would say you are. <laughs> yeah, but it, I'm quite good at things which are long and big that I chip away at. I'm quite a chipper away at. Um, and so I said, right, I'm going to do something outdoors every day for half an hour each day because, you know, the vitamins D mm. from the sun and the fresh air. And literally for most of that year, all I could do is walk. But it became a habit. It Like the rowing, it became a habit. Mm. So half an hour. So I started taking pictures. Again, I put it on my social media. I think by this time on Instagram because it was a bit prettier. Um, <laughs> And so it took pictures of what I saw, of the seasons, of the, the snow, of the rain, of the fog, you know. And and then when my knee got better, I realised, again, this was such a huge help to my mental well-being and my emotional well-being. And having something each day that was just me thinking things through, I thought, oh, if I can walk that, maybe I could run it. So, you know, it's, everything's been a, a gradual process of just building it up. And it's only when I look back, I think, oh, crumbs, no, I did that. But at the time, it was just chipping away. Yeah. How did you get involved in the This Girl Can Sport of England campaign? Because um, that was fantastic. So, yes, yeah, so I've done it t two things. First one was um, I went on a wild... Oh, well, you've done it, the Great Yes, Swim. yeah. So um, I'm, I'd seen that you did it, so I thought I'm going to do it. And I'm not a big um, event kind of person. I get a little bit scared of all the people and worry that I'm going to, like drown not drown but the one that will sink and you yeah. know have to call out the rescue boat but i took a picture with these really huge goggles um and they had a thing where you could upload the photos and put a slogan and one of the slogans was damn right i look hot yeah so i put it and they obviously see all these and then choose them so they saw this and they said you know there's me some 50 year old woman with these massive goggles and a little yellow um cap and they asked me then to do like a little bit of this girl canny stuff on the radio. I think there's a few radio interviews and um, but not massive, but sort of in the newspapers because they were just broadening it out into 50 year olds yeah. and moving away from the younger 
just being focused on younger women. And then recently, um, I wrote to them and I said, look, this is sort of my story of, you know, would you be interested? Thinking they would not necessarily be, but it was just about me being brave. You know, I had this idea if I just sort of wrote to people and said, would you be interested? That the more I got no's, the less it would worry me. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, sort of walking into rejection and realizing it's not that much of a problem if you get rejected. It's just, it's not a right fit there and then. Um, and they said yes. And they put it out there and it just got so much, um, so many women were like, wow, thank you. You know, thank you for sharing the tough times and thank you for sharing your honesty. And I just realized that the more honest I was about what I'd been through, the crying and the difficulties and being injured and all that stuff, the more normal I was, the more relatable I was, the more it actually bizarrely inspired people. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then because I'd done that pic done that article, when I then did my headstand on my paddleboard on the sea, and it was just the worst headstand you can imagine. I just put, I, just, I think I included them in, in the Twitter thing, and it just went crazy. I've had 13,500 views of me doing a really bad headstand. And I, my goal is to do quite a good one by the end of the year, uh, by my 54th birthday. So it's just, a, it's, again, it's just been little things and being brave enough to write to them and say, look, are you interested in this story of somebody crying and, and learning how not to cry so often? Um, and they were like, yeah, that's really relatable. Were you sporty when you were younger or is this something um, that's completely new or was it in you already? It was in me already. When I was little, up to about sort of secondary school, I was doing all the things I'm doing now. Right. Um, I didn't think they were sporty. They were more, I was called a tomboy. So now there'd be a sporty, it'd be called a sporty girl, but then it was called a tomboy. So I would throw myself into the sea, I would climb trees, I tried to skateboard, I would be on my bike. Um, I've got a picture of me on my chopper looking, you know, really cool with my um, Bay City Rollers uh, trousers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, with tartan and everything. Um, and I loved it. But then when I got to school, it was all very formal and you had to hit the ball correctly and score a goal, run over hurdles. And that just turned me off. Mm. Um, and having done all those things, and also I love gymnastics. Yeah, I love gymnastics. So doing headstands was something I did all the time. Mm. But school sport just turned me off. And then in my 20s, I was very outdoorsy again. And then really from my late 20s till my late 40s, I did just about nothing. Mm. You know, maybe one 5K walk. And I did the moonwalk just as my marriage was sort of collapsing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think anybody knew my marriage was collapsing, but it, it was just something to literally hang on to um and to do with my friends and um until i started doing the indoor rowing so it, i think it's always been in me but for many years it was just dormant so now mm. after all these challenges mm. you've now discovered this real passion i would say yeah. for, for your paddle boarding yeah, would you yeah. say that's your main um love or oh is it gosh i think i love all of them i love anything to do with water mm. um paddle boarding's easy in the sense that I live near a reservoir, so I can do it in my everyday. Right. Whereas surfing and bodyboarding, I have to go to the sea. And I'll the couch to 5k very mm. quickly. Yeah. Um, because you started doing it and you you got to, I don't know, week six or something, and then you had an injury. Yeah. So then obviously you had to stop. Yeah. How did you get back into it? And the reason I'm asking is because <laughs> I fractured my wrist and I got to yeah. week seven. Yeah. And I was loving it. Yes. But now I'm thinking, how will I ever start again? Um... 
Did you go right back to the beginning? I think, I think, no. Oh, uh, yes, yes, because uh, my frozen shoulder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I went straight back to the beginning. Right. I just said, you know, it's been so long. So I stopped doing it. Gosh, it'd been about 10 months. I'd stopped doing it and it was about 10 months. And I just said, right, just go back to the beginning. I think that's one of the beauties of getting older. You just don't worry so much and you just say, I've got to start again. I'll go back to the beginning. I'm not, this isn't a race. Nobody's looking, nobody's watching, nobody's judging. And if they are, it really doesn't matter. So I went right back to the beginning. And even when I went back to the beginning, some weeks I just felt like, hmm, not sure this is really sinking in. I'll just repeat the week. Mm. So I think what should have been like a nine, eight, nine week program probably took me 11. Yeah. Because I just kept repeating it thinking, hmm, I don't feel I've really progressed. I don't feel com comfortable that I actually can do what they're telling me I'm doing. So yeah. I'm just going to repeat it. And I set myself a goal to try and get it done by my, my birthday, which I did. If not, you know, I would just start again. Mm. I think sometimes you just have to do that. Mm. Yeah. I do think what you don't realise probably is the posts that you put on social media do yeah. have an impact on oh. people. You know, I see your posts and, and see you out running yeah. or walking or, oh, wow. or doing litter cleans and think, if Joe can go out and do that, <laughs> I, why am I not doing this? So when I go back to the beginning yeah. of my yeah. Couch to 5K, I will have you yeah. in the back of my mind knowing that you've done that yeah. and gone through it. absolutely. I do think social media has yeah. a real oh. positive impact on, yeah. on people. Definitely. Particularly our age group, I think. Yeah. I think people are using it in a different way for our age group. Yeah. Really How have you found social media? Um, I love Twitter because everybody was so supportive. Um, I learned so much on Twitter because it opens up a whole new world and it's quite quick. It's yeah. like, you know, you can learn lots of newsy things or... or conferences and events instagram i love because it's pretty um and it's very kind instagram i think it is it's very it's very kind. women are really supportive really supportive i mean i've got a lot of really lovely friends on twitter we, you know i'm always and i go to say oh what's alex doing oh what's Ginny? you know what are they up to um but i think instagram is very supportive very kind um and i use it for inspiration i'm quite selective like i can what i can follow twitter and not be as mentally affected by it yeah. but sometimes on instagram you can think oh my god her life is so perfect mm -hmm. uh, or it's well, rated yeah. yeah and yeah. you sort of then might go might just unfollow or just mute for a little while whilst yeah. i just feel and it's it's about me it's not about them yeah. it's my sort of insecurities that day but i think you can curate a really kind um environment to be in and I've made some really lovely friends. I've made loads of friends that I've actually met. I was going to say, you're really good at that, like going <laughs> yeah. out and actually meeting people. Yeah. And it's, it's enriched your life in a different way, hasn't hugely, it? Hugely, hugely enriched it. I mean, you can't make a friend overnight. So I have friends that I've known for, you know, since primary school. I've got school one mum friends. I've got friends from secondary school, my children's secondary school. But this is a different group of friends. This is built upon shared goals and shared dreams mm. and so yeah i've gone out and i've met them and i've stayed with them or if i'm going somewhere i might just say look i'm going to be there will you be there having no attachment to whether they will or not you yeah. know just saying i'm going to be there if you're going to be there that'd be great so yeah i have done that and that brings it alive yeah um and it's amazing you meet them and you're suddenly hugging going oh my god and you do feel like you've known them for ages yes, don't you it's absolutely weird. you feel that you've known them for ages and that you know bits of their lives and then suddenly they fill you in on the rest of it which isn't you know we, we all put a certain um image out there and and you know personal stuff isn't always part of it because for me it's i i never 
uh, hide that I have a very normal middle-aged kind of lifestyle. I I'm often say, look, this is just a part of my life, um, but I don't put all of that necessarily out there. So then you get, you fill it all in and you just, become, you see the whole person and yeah. it's just lovely. I've not met anyone that I didn't then go, God, I'm so glad we met. Exciting, really exciting. See, when you talk about it, you are you come to life and you can tell yeah. when it's something that you really get a lot of pleasure yeah. from. Um, and I would say that takes a lot of confidence as well to go out and meet people. Yeah. Have yeah. you always had that confidence or is this something that's come with everything that you've been doing as well? Um, I think I probably had it and lost it. Yeah. I think, you know, babies and marriage and miscarriages and divorce and grief, you know, they dampen who you are. Mm. And it's just a case of sort of excavating through all those difficult situations and revealing who you probably really are. Yeah. I'm probably more in my 50s like I was when I was nine or ten than I've ever been really. Likewise yeah. and I wonder, I do wonder if that is quite common because I, I am the so. same. I feel more like me yeah. than I have yeah. in a long time. Yeah exactly, exactly. That exuberance and that sort of not worrying what people think and being, I'm totally cool with the idea that I'm totally uncool and it's sort of like yeah you know I'll never be the one that walks into a room and people go, oh my God, she's so glamorous. You know, I'll be usually the one that they go, when did she brush her hair? Um, but I'm cool with that as I was when I was nine or 10 without all the sort of angst of teenage years mm. or, you know, I think your thirties and forties are really difficult because you're establishing who you are and and there's a lot of um, sort of keeping upness, which yeah. if, I, if I was back there again, I would just say, don't even, you know, yeah. I say to my boys, just don't even try. Yeah. Just follow your own thing. Um, I felt really but, quite down on my 30th birthday. Yeah. I remember thinking, gosh, yeah. is, is, this, yeah. is this going to be it? Is yeah. this what I've yeah. kind of exactly. Yeah, there's a liberation, isn't there? Is there is now, yeah. Real liberation. I mean, I think times have changed. I think sort of the political climate, the cultural climate, things like Me Too and women are sort of coming out and saying oh god i thought it was just me that felt like that yeah. i think there's so much that social media particularly makes connections and that's great but yeah if i was going back to that age i would just say you know just don't even worry what everyone else is doing mm -hmm. it's just not relevant to your life mm -hmm. um, and i still have to say that to myself sometimes yeah do you mm -hmm. so do you still get scared when oh, you're god, doing things yeah. <laughs> yeah how do you overcome that I think I've learned that you only need to be brave enough to do the next thing. You just need to be like brave enough to do yeah. the next step. You don't have to climb the mountain, you just have to take the next step. Mm -hmm. um, and that's hard and yet it's just the imperative if you want to move forward. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I was surf when I was learning to surf in the summer, um, so I had three days boot camp surfing, surf camp. You see, can I just stop you there? Yeah. The minute ago, you described yourself as not being cool. Yeah. Someone sat here just saying they've just been to a uh, you know, surf, surf camp. I think it's, it's actually quite cool, Joe. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I, I'm really not. Um, but what I realised I was doing was I was trying to stand up on the surfboard and hold on to the surfboard at the same time. Right. And you can't do both. You just, you have to let go. Otherwise, you do what I did, which is just keep falling over and keep falling over and keep falling over. And there is a point at which you say, 
you have to let go and you either stand up or you fall over, but you're going to fall over if you don't let go. Mm. You've got to let go of the, the surfboard and give yourself the chance to stand up. And that was a really big lesson. Sometimes I sort of have to remind myself of that, that you've just got to believe in yourself enough to let go and see what happens. And the best outcome is that you surf, and I did for four seconds. Yeah, the worst is that you're going to fall in. But if you hold on to the surfboard, you're going to fall in anyway, because you can't do, unless your arms grow. <laughs> um, and so that is it. It's just being brave enough to take the next step and letting go and saying, I'm going to give it everything I've got, but not necessarily be attached to the outcome. I got really quite involved in, in litter picking mm. up yeah. and, and environmentally friendly yeah. subjects. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do you want to explain a little bit about <laughs> what you've been doing? Um, so at the beginning, well, I've always loved the sea and like most people, I noticed a lot more plastic. Mm. We watched David Attenborough. Yeah. In fact, I my dissertation was about the environmental movement back in the 80s so okay. it's not completely you know johnny come lately's to this but even though johnny come lately is great yeah um we need everybody on board um but it was just a rediscovery of something again that i've been interested in when i was younger and 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 the sort of david attenborough program was um sort of the next stage so at the beginning of the year i said right, i'm going to do a litter pick or a beach clean every day um just bitch two minutes every day, post what I do, show people what I'm doing, see if anybody else might do it. And literally that simple thing was the very first, the first thing I got invited to do was to go to a running festival. So my boys were just like, mum, you can barely run 10K and you're gonna speak at a trail running festival with people who have literally run across America. I was like, I know, how cool am I? Um, and so they invited me and it was just one of those relationships that I'd built up on Twitter. Literally, I'd like, I, I, the organization that do it, Adventure Uncovered, I just loved their, their sort of attitude towards adventure and that you need, to, it's not just about conquering mountains and your ego, it's about giving back and doing good stuff. And I just loved what they'd done. And genuinely, when I would see a tweet, I'd go, oh God, that's so cool. Not in a feigned way, but just yeah. like that. And, and it always amazes me, people are watching you without you realizing they're watching you in a good way, not in like yeah. a stalkery way, but in a good way, they're sort of watching you and thinking, she's quite consistent about this. So I'm not like one week litter and then the next week something else. I'm fair, you know, you're being consistently talking about the same subjects. And somebody will just come and say, look, would you like to get involved with this? Mm. And you go, wow, I never, I never imagined that. Yeah. But interestingly, I have my diary and at the beginning, I wrote down all these like crazy goals for the year. And then I went back to it and I went, wow, quite a lot of these have slightly come true in a bit of a different way or a different yeah. angle. So it's sort of sometimes you put it out there as a goal and it might happen, but in a just a slightly different way, but it's still all working towards the same kind of overall goal. Yeah. Do you think this has now given you a this side of it the talking about the environmental yeah. things that you're doing yeah is that kind of your it's giving you a purpose yeah other than being uh, a mum and a yeah, daughter yeah, it's, a, it's a purpose yeah massively and in fact i sort of see it the environment although the environmental stuff is very important the the link between the environment and well your my own well-being is a link i want to make and share with people yeah. um because that's particularly at our age there's so much about our own well-being you know if you're going through the menopause and all the physical changes the emotional the mental and um so many answers that you see 
are about stuff you can buy, stuff you can eat, stuff you can, all that stuff. And actually there's some really simple things you can do by having a purpose in life that bring them all together. Yes. And so for yes. me, the two minute beach clean each day, literally it's given me a whole set of new friends. Yeah. So again, I met people. So I went to the conference last week and somebody from my two minute beach clean family was there. We were like, oh, yeah. we hugged and we spent the whole afternoon together and we took photos mm. and then people were like, yay. So it's a whole new friendship. It gives me a purpose. And I feel like I really, like literally where I run, it's like, that's my patch. Yes. Do not come and put your litter here because yeah. I need to keep this place clean. Yeah. And so it makes me feel more present in the in the places I live. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about the environmental and the well-being because it's so intertwined. We mm. all need more, you know, outdoor stuff and green space mm. and, and it's so helpful for our, our, our well-being. So yeah, I do. I feel like there's a message somewhere. And so much of the environmental and adventure world is, is dominated by younger people, mm. understandably. They don't have mortgages, they don't have people to look after. Mm. And I just want to say, look, actually, we've got a contribution to make and we can do it and we can um, have these little adventures that can be hugely joyful and mm. have a huge impact on us. Um, but, they, you know, we don't have three months necessarily right now to go yeah. and spend doing them. Maybe yeah. one day, who yes, knows? Yes, yes. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> so what is the plan? I know what's your current challenge at the moment. You're running, aren't you, every yeah, day? Yeah, so my running. So I've got to, um, yeah, so a thousand kilometres this year. So I'm on about 750. So I've got, um, I'm thinking of possibly doing like a longer run, picking up litter. Mm. Um, I want to continue with my surfing and um, I did see something. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. <laughs> I did see a grant, um, and they've never given it to anyone in their fifties. And I'm not a scientist, but um, I just I, maybe there is one big thing in me when mm. when my little one, my little one, when my eighteen year old goes to uni. Maybe there is. Maybe there's more big things. So I'm going to ask you three questions, um, which I'm going to ask every guest, so that we can create a list, um, which I will then put at the end of the show notes. Favourite song that motivates you when you're out? What do you listen to when you're running? Oh gosh, oh gosh. Well, when I did the million metres, I listened to Frozen, Let It Be, mm. and Dolly Parton, Try. So I can't listen to those. I was going to say, that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I love those. I love Emily Sanday. Mm. Um, and uh, this summer it was The Showman, This Is Me. All oh, right, yes. Uh, the Greatest Showman. And yeah. this week I went to see A Star Is Born. So oh, I am now Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Or any of those. Right. I'm a bit sort of each of them. Um, what books inspire you? Because I know that you do oh, do a lot of reading. Because I, 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 I look at what you're reading. reading then <laughs> and, uh, I do loads. Um, I love people like Brenny Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, I read a book this time last year that I heard on a podcast, um, the Me and Orla podcast called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And it was all about playing big in your own life. And, and saying, you know, it's your life, what playing big means. And that really had an impact, actually. And, um, yeah, that had a huge impact this year. I read a book years ago called The Society of Timid Souls, and it was all about bravery and courage. And I think it was about the time when I was starting to think that I wasn't a very brave person in my life. And, and this gave me lots of sort of interesting ideas about what bravery was. Mm. Um, and a book I know you've read, A Glorious Freedom. I love yes, that. I do. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Condon. So, um, yeah, I read all sorts of different books. 
um, of all of those, I think Brenny Brown will all be, always be the one that I go back to because she's a researcher and a storyteller and, and I like the mix of ideas with, you know, social research behind it. Shall I add that to the list? Yeah, yeah, you love her. And who inspires you? Oh my God, well you inspire me. <laughs> no, because I think it's easy to see other people out there and, and think, oh yeah, but because I've seen you go, you know, from school gates to what you do now, it's like, you know, she does it in my world. And I think that's really inspirational because I can see the trajectory that you've gone on. Um, I have a lady in my Aquafit class who is 86 who comes and I love it when she's there because she just gives it all. And I say to her, so I teach two classes on a Friday evening and I say to her, are you staying for your second class, Florence? And she goes, no, I spent the afternoon in the gym, <laughs> you know, yeah. and she's so normal and so giving. And so I admire all those sort of people. I have Tara and Brumfit. Yes, I um, do. Yeah. The film, you know, everyone the film should see that in is, schools, I think. I genuinely feel like she, it made a real difference. You know, I've never particularly been confident about my, my body image. It's, you know, it's been a roller coaster of on one end of the BMI spectrum to the other. Um, I don't post pictures about that, but it's there in the background. Mm. And, um, and her film about loving who you are has absolutely, you know, made a difference to me. Yeah. And also she had the quote, I think it's something like, my body is a vehicle, to, my body is not an ornament, it's a vehicle towards my dreams. And I think with all the things I do, I realise that actually my body is taking me towards my dreams. And so I really admire what she does because I know she gets, a, you know, some flack about it as well and she's she's there saying no women deserve to love themselves exactly who they are as exactly who they are we could talk for hours thank you joe if you'd like to follow what joe's up to next and her adventures you can find her on instagram and twitter a healthy happy 50 also her website www.healthyhappy50.com thank you for listening to out of the bubble podcast I hope you enjoyed listening to Jo and that she's inspired some of you. I'd love to hear from you, who inspires you and why. Do you know someone who would be perfect for the podcast? So please get in touch. You can email rachelperumodel at gmail.com or you can leave a message over on the Anchor app. I'll be back in a fortnight where we will be talking to Zoe McNulty, the sassy headmistress from the School of Strut Dance Academy. In the meantime, keep being fabulous.